Welcome or welcome back to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where readers gather to talk about books, share recommendations, and chase that five-star feeling. I'm your host, Gwen, and today I'm joined by Jesse for day number nine of the 12 Days of Christmas episodes and giveaways. Today, we're shining a light on author Lucinda Berry. We're going to talk about all of her books, which ones we've read and enjoyed, and which ones we recommend. Hey everyone, my name is Jessie and I have a YouTube channel called Reading with Jess. Over there you can catch me doing reading vlogs, TBRs, wrap-ups, challenges, book hauls, and reviews. You can also follow me over on Instagram at readingwithjess underscore. The 12 Days of Christmas episodes and giveaways started December 25th and runs through Thursday, January 5th. Each day you can tune in to the new episode and enter for a chance to win. Prizes will be selected at random. You will win either a book from your wish list or an exclusive Talk Bookish to Me beanie. If you win the beanie, I will reach out to you for your mailing address. Every day is a new chance to win. The giveaways are open internationally. However, international listeners will only be eligible for the book prize. Make sure you have your wish lists linked in your Instagram bio. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out more details. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to remind you to follow Talk Bookish to Me on Instagram at Talk Bookish Podcast. If you want to be eligible for any of the giveaways, it's a requirement. It's also a great time to join my Patreon and become a night owl. It's $5 a month, but joining doubles your chances of winning. And more importantly, it's a great way to show your support for the podcast and gain loads of bonus content too. Lucinda Berry is a formal clinical psychologist and leading researcher in childhood trauma. Now, she spends her days writing full-time, using her clinical experience to blur the lines between fiction and nonfiction. She enjoys taking her readers on a journey through the dark recesses of the human psyche. She currently has nine books and one novella available on Audible, and we're going to talk about all of them. Check the show notes for a list of books discussed in today's episode. Starting in publication order, first we have Missing Parts. Growing up, abandoned by her father and raised by a single mother, Celeste was determined to create the perfect family, but even perfect families have secrets. Celeste's days are filled with a rewarding career, a devoted husband, and her four-year-old daughter. Celeste's world quickly spirals out of control as her secret threatens to destroy her marriage, family, reputation, and sanity. She'll go to any length to protect her family, take any risks, break any law, anything except tell the truth. All right, so I haven't read this one yet. However, my plan is to read all of Lucinda Berry's books, including her backlist and anything new she comes out with as well. I know there will be some hits and some misses along the way, but once I find an author that I've rated a few books of theirs pretty highly and I enjoy their writing, I'm all in. Lucinda Berry is one of those authors for me. This is her debut, so I'm not expecting to be blown away. And if I'm being honest, this premise doesn't sound that intriguing to me. Plus, it's 418 pages long, which also not a fan of long books. Um, but I think if you like mystery thrillers with themes of motherhood and marriage, this might be a good recommendation. And my friend Nikki did recently gift me a copy of this book. I have also not read this one, but I do have this one on my radar as well as my wish list on Amazon. I'm also wishing to tackle her backlist as soon as possible, but this one is a little bit on the lower end of excitement out of the list. I also didn't know this was her debut until this podcast episode. 
All right, next up is Phantom Limb. Emily and Elizabeth spend their childhood locked in a bedroom and terrorized by a mother who drinks too much and disappears for days. The identical twins are rescued by a family determined to be their saviors, but there's some horrors love can't erase. Elizabeth wakes in a hospital, strapped to a bed and unable to move or speak. The last thing she remembers is finding Emily's body in their bathroom. Days before, she was falling in love and starting college. Now she's surrounded by men who talk to themselves and women who pull out their eyebrows. As she delves deeper into the mystery surrounding Emily's death, she discovers shocking secrets and holes in her memory that force her to remember what she's worked so hard to forget. The beatings, the blood, the special friends, her life spins out of control at a terrifying speed as she desperately tries to unravel the psychological puzzle of her past before it's too late. I actually just read this one recently and I felt like it was just okay. I ended up giving this one three stars, but I will say this one has such a strong start, but the ending just felt flat for me. Um, I will say there are some trigger warnings in this one, um, some content warnings such as like self-harm, suicide, and sexual abuse. I have not read this one, but it does sound like a good one to consider if you like stories about sisters. Um, and it has a pretty high average rating on Goodreads, like a 4.11 average. So it has me intrigued. And I also got a gifted a copy of this one from my friend Nikki. So I'm hoping to read it this year as well. Uh, the next one we have is Appetite for Innocence. A serial rapist is kidnapping teenage girls, but he's not interested in just any teenage girls, only virgins. He hunts them by following their status updates and check-ins on social media. Once he's captured them, they're locked away in his soundproof basement until they've groomed and ready. He throws them away like pieces of trash after he's stolen their innocence. Nobody escapes alive. Until Ella. Ella risks it all to escape, setting herself and the other girls free. But only Sarah, the girl who's been captive the longest, gets out with her. The girls are hospitalized and surrounded by FBI agents who will stop at nothing to find the man responsible. Ella and Sarah are the key to their investigation, but Sarah is hiding something and it isn't long before Ella discovers her nightmares is far from over. Fans of the Butterfly Garden and the girl before will devour appetite for innocence. Content warnings, uh, sexual violence, which may be triggering for some readers. So I haven't read this one and I don't own it. So, um, but I definitely want to, it sounds so dark and that's exactly what I've loved about the books that I have read from Lucinda Berry. So I'm all in on this one. I really enjoyed the butterfly garden. So that comparison makes me excited about this one. And it also like the premise does sound like pretty stolen dolls by Cardukey and Kay Webster. And I enjoyed that one as well. I agree. Out of all the books by this author that I have not read yet, this one sounds the most interesting and also the most dark. Um, I love that it compares it to the butterfly garden because I really did like that one when I read it but I'm hoping this one is just a little bit more intriguing and also a little more dark and twisted. All right the next one is Saving Noah. Saving Noah challenges everything you think you know about teenage sexual offenders. It will keep you up at night long after you've read the last page questioning beliefs you once 
thought were true. Meet Noah, an A honor roll student, award-winning swimmer, and small town star destined for greatness. There weren't any signs that something was wrong until the day he confessed to molesting little girls during swim team practice. He's sentenced to 18 months in a juvenile sexual rehabilitation center. His mother, Adriana, refuses to turn her back on him despite his horrific crimes, but her husband won't allow Noah back into their home. Adriana is forced to make the hardest decision of her life. Just how far will she go to protect her son? Okay. This one is very close to being my favorite. This one is so good and one that I recommend a lot to people. I do want to also say this is very different from a traditional thriller. I would classify it a little bit more as a suspenseful family drama with a few shocking twists. I love this book because of the way it made me feel because yeah, what Noah did was wrong, but I also felt bad for him and his family and what they had to go through. This one definitely makes you sway on which side of the fence you're on. But I also learned a lot about pedophilia while reading this book, which is something I really appreciate about Barry's writing and her background. Finally one I have read. <laughs> this is actually the first book that I read by Lucinda Berry and it was an easy five-star read for me. It was super fast paced and the subject matter was unlike anything I have ever read before. I It was haunting to me. Um, it's basically a slice of life family drama, but it left my jaw on the floor when it concluded. Definitely look up content warnings because it goes into much more than I mentioned, but suffice it to say that it it's eye-opening. I think Barry did an excellent job of giving the reader just enough information in the story to get readers talking about this book and asking like, what would I do in this situation? I also wanted to mention that while themes of pedophilia are in the book, the story takes place after Noah is released from the Juvenile Sexual Rehabilitation Center. So it doesn't center on that. It's the aftermath of what he did and he's returning home and it focuses on what happens next for Noah and his family. The next one is The Perfect Child. Christopher and Hannah are happily married surgeon and nurse with picture-perfect lives. All that's missing is a child. When Janie, an abandoned six-year-old, turns up at the hospital, Christopher forms an instant connection with her and he convinces Hannah that they should take her into their own home as their own. But Janie is no ordinary child and her damaged psyche proves to be more than her new parents were expecting. Janie is fiercely devoted to Christopher, but she acts out increasingly disturbing ways, directing all of her rage at Hannah. Unable to bond with Janie, Hannah is drowning under the pressure, and Christopher refuses to see Janie's true nature. Hannah knows that Janie is manipulating Christopher and isolating him from her, despite Hannah's attempts to bring them all together. But as Janie's behavior threatens to tear Christopher and Hannah apart, the truth behind Janie's past may be more enough to push them all over the edge. This is the book that put this author on my radar, all thanks to you, Jesse. You raved about this book for a solid two years or so before I finally said, okay, let me go ahead and pick this up. And you were absolutely right. It's amazing. And it is currently my favorite Lucinda Berry book. It's so good. Now, a lot of people are going to compare this book to The Push 
by Ashley Aldrain and Baby Teeth by Zoji Stage. And while they do have similarities, the stories are, of course, very, very different. The Perfect Child is so much darker and focuses on different things. If you are a parent of young children, I would like to steer you away from this book. The things you learn, the things this couple endures is horrifying. Much like the push, the child seems to have a better bond with the male in the story. But in this case, Janie, the little girl, is going to many therapists, doctors, and all of them are seeing the same things Hannah, the mother, is. Um, I want to give a content warning for animal cruelty and death as well, but this is a solid five out of five stars for me. This one is my favorite. It was my first Lucinda Berry book, and I was so shocked while reading this from start to finish. I didn't know why it took Gwen so long to read this one, but I'm so happy she finally did. If you're looking for one book to read by this author, this is the one. I love how dark this book goes and the psychology behind it. This one is very horrifying to read about what this child went through, but also what Chris and Hannah went through. I also heard that this one may be getting a sequel from the author, which I don't believe it needs, but I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about that. You kept telling me, you're like, did you know it might be getting a sequel? And I'm worried because I'm like, what? I mean, I trust Barry. I really, really do. But I'm like, where is this going to go? Because I really think it was just perfect as is. What I loved about this one in particular was how much like therapy and like outside other medical care professionals like trying to help the situation and you could just tell that Barry was using her expertise in this book and I think that's why it's so strong and so good and like so believable even though it's like this wild crazy situation. All right, the next one, when she returned, one woman's reappearance throws her family into turmoil, exposing dark secrets and the hidden, often devastating truth of family relationships. Kate Bennett vanished from a parking lot 11 years ago, leaving behind her husband and young daughter. When she shows up at a Montana gas station, clutching an infant and screaming for help, investigators believe she may have been abducted by a cult. Kate's Return flips her family's world upside down. Her husband is remarried and her daughter barely remembers her. Kate herself doesn't look or act like she did before. While the family tries to help Kate reintegrate into society, they discover truths they've been hiding from each other about their own relationships. But they aren't the only ones with secrets. As the family unravels what happened to Kate, a series of shocking revelations shows that Kate's return is more sinister than any of them could have imagined. This one is probably my least favorite, but one thing I've learned this year is that I don't like cults in my fiction books. I read this one about two years ago and didn't know that cults were a turn off for me. Um, this one I wasn't a fan of because I also didn't feel connected to the characters and I feel like it's it was important since we do read through three points of view. Um, I would still recommend it though if you're a fan of this author and her writing style um, and maybe this one might be a winner for you. Yeah, I think if you like cults, like definitely pick it up because um, that is like a heavy theme throughout the book. I read this one and it's also probably my least favorite. This is the Lucinda Berry cult book. I think one of my biggest gripes is it's told in three POVs, like you were saying, multiple POVs. So you have Kate from the past when she disappeared and then you have Abby, her daughter, and then you have Meredith, the new wife, stepmom, like in the present. At no point do we get the husband Scott's POV. And I was like, why? 
Like, why are we getting the new wife's POV? That was just so odd to me. I think the people most affected, like the daughter and the husband, should have been the focus of the book. I didn't care about Meredith's POV at all because... I felt like she honestly had nothing to do with what was going on um, other than being in the picture when Kate returned. Um, I also felt like a bunch of the story was everyone sitting around in the house all day trying to get answers from Kate. Um, and since the reader knows what she went through from her POV, you're essentially waiting around for Scott, Meredith, and Abby to figure it out. The next one is The Best of Friends. Best friends, Lindsay, Kendra, and Danny endure every parent's nightmare when a tragic accident befalls their teenage boys, leaving one dead, another in a coma, and a third one traumatized to speak. Reeling from the worst night of their lives, the three mothers plunge into a desperate investigation of the bizarre incident. How could something so horrible happen to their wealthy Southern California suburb? They soon discover that the accident was just the beginning and troubling discoveries lead to chilling questions. Do they really know their children? Do they even know each other? As more secrets surface, a fog of doubt and suspicion threatened to poison their families, their friendships, and the whole community. With the illusion of happiness and safety long gone, these women must now confront the hazards of heartbreak, the consequences of jealousy, and the dangerous living double lives. Jesse, you recommended keeping a character list, and I highly recommend that as well. There are three mothers, their husbands, and their children, and the detective. There's around 14 to 15 characters. Um, unfortunately, the three POVs read similar, so it was difficult to keep them all straight. Danny is like the only one who stood out to me a tad because of the domestic abuse she endured. As alternating chapters represent each woman's viewpoint, the friends try to piece together what happened. As they grapple with what happened um, to their own sons, they lean on each other and secrets and truths come into play. I found some of the secrets quite shocking because of the age of their kids, but I would also like to say the story didn't have any like big reveals or like lead-ups to a grand reveal. It felt like everything was subtly laid out and it makes sense what happened. It was sort of anticlimactic, which I was not expecting from Barry. I don't have kids, so I think if you do, then this would be even more difficult to read. What I found terrifying was the domestic abuse and the gaslighting that Danny went through. Um, Barry dedicated this book to survivors of domestic abuse, so I should have seen it coming, I suppose. If you enjoyed Big Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. This is similar and I would recommend it. The big difference in this story is the age of the children involved, but I think it has a lot of similarities otherwise. For starters, this was actually a birthday present from Gwen. So thank you, Gwen, for gifting me this book. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely recommend a character list while reading this one. I did not do that and I really wish I did. I felt like there were so many characters that I was more focused on keeping up with which mom had which kid and which kid had which situation that it took the enjoyment out of the story. So if you could just keep like a little post-it note in the book and at least track which mom has which son. I overall enjoyed the story because it I was very curious to find out what happened and what caused the tragic event and everything. 
I do think the reveal is shocking, but again, I was more focused on keeping up with who was who. All right, the next one is The Secrets of Us. Dangerously Addictive, The Secrets of Us is a pulse-pounding exploration of disturbed psyche and the bond between two sisters desperate to escape a troubled past. Foster sisters Crystal and Nicole have always been there for each other. So when Nicole is committed to a psychiatric hospital after trying to kill her husband, Crystal drops everything to defend her. Scarred by a hard upbringing, Nicole and Crystal managed to construct comfortable lives for themselves. Crystal became a respected lawyer and Nicole was happily married to an architect until Nicole starts raving that her husband isn't her husband, believing that he's an imposter. Driven by fierce loyalty, Crystal starts asking questions, but she's not sure she can bear the answers. Her investigation leads to the sister's dark shared past, to a horrible tragedy and a well-guarded lie that cemented this sisterly bond. But that lie can't kill the truth the battered, gasping, clawing truth that's coming for both of them. Now Crystal and Nicole must both fight for the lives they've built before they're consumed by the one they left behind. I actually pre-ordered this when it was announced and I overall enjoyed the story, but I felt like this had two timelines that really didn't fit together as one story. I felt like I was reading two different stories and I found myself more interested in the present timeline versus the past. Um, I also wanted to mention the big reveal at the end was not surprising at all. I've read this one as well. Um, it's basically the story of two foster sisters, Crystal and Nicole, in a past and present timeline. In the present timeline, Crystal's trying to figure out why her sister suddenly burned down her house, went to the psychotic rage, um, landing her in a psychiatric hospital. In the past timeline, Nicole is detailing the time that they spent on a farm with their foster family. It was definitely more mysterious than thrilling, I would say but classically disturbing yet subtle compared to, I would say like saving Noah and the perfect child. So honestly, it was a tad forgettable. The next one is One Little Mistake. This is an Audible original and the listening length is two hours and 23 minutes. When overwhelmed stay-at-home mom Alexis finds herself at odds with her husband after she's charged with a DUI, she's given one chance to get her family back, complete AA and admit her faults. Problem is she's never had a drinking problem and no idea what caused the blackout that led to her arrest. Still, she's committed to working through the program if that's what it takes to reunite with her two young children. When she connects with a new friend, Farah, a confident, successful powerhouse of a woman Alexis can't help but idolize, she's empowered to take a closer look at her husband's role in her downfall. Now, this is kind of funny because I actually listened to this three times. I really like struggle focusing when I'm strictly listening to an audiobook. And as this was only available as an Audible original, um, I had to put in the time and effort to absorb it all. Um, thank goodness it was short. <laughs> if you're a commitment phobe, but you've always wanted to read something by Lucinda Berry, um, this is your chance because it's a relatively low risk. Um, I won't say it's her best, but it gives you an idea of her writing and her unique stories. Yes. Um, okay. So this one was so short that I find it hard to rate anything else but a three star. Um, I believe that at the time of listening, this was actually free through Audible. So it's very low risk, like Gwen said. This audiobook is very short, but I felt like it took me all day to read and I still wasn't that interested and it's not very thrilling in my opinion. 
Under Her Care is up next. This is a shocking thriller about the disturbing complexities of a mother's love and the deadly consequences of unraveling family secrets. On a humid summer day in Alabama, a mayor's wife turns up brutally murdered under a railroad bridge. Standing next to her body is 14-year-old Mason Hill, the autistic son of former Miss USA Genevieve Hill. The locals are quick to level their verdict on young Mason. The town detective calls in local autism expert Casey Walker to consult on the case. At first, Casey tries to keep an open mind, but the more time she spends with Genevieve, the more her unease grows and she suspects that Genevieve is doing more than just protecting her son. Story only intensify when she meets Savannah, Genevieve's 19-year-old daughter. Savannah, as it turns out, has some disturbing secrets of her own, but as Casey dives deeper into the Hill family dynamic, her search for the truth leads to another shocking murder, one that shatters her understanding of the human condition in ways she never imagined. I really enjoyed this one. However, I do not recommend the audiobook. The audiobook narrator had that trying too hard country accent and I just found it very annoying to listen to. It was also to the point where I just wasted the audible credit and just read it physically. I found it very simple and short but fun, but not dark like her other work. I also wanted to mention that I loved reading a little bit more about autism in this book, and I found like that was one of the big factors of rating it a little bit higher. The mayor's wife has been brutally murdered, and they try to pin the crime on Mason. The issue is that Mason is autistic and non-speaking, so it's up to Casey to see if she can have like a breakthrough moment with him and find out what really happened, because the story from... Genevieve isn't making like much sense to Casey at all. The more time that Casey ends up spending with her, the more her unease grows and she suspects that she's hiding something to protect her son. It was simple and to the point, no fillers. It was super fast paced and hooked me from the beginning. I read it in one go. That being said, it was a tad predictable as well, not in an un enjoyable way like I did still enjoy it because um, it still had a few tricks up its sleeve but I was still expecting a bit of a more like shocking ending. Uh, the next one is Off the Deep End, a heart-stopping psychological thriller about the shades of truth and the power of lies in the wake of one mother's unspeakable loss. Therapist turned stay-at-home mom Jules Hart's idyllic suburban life shatters when she crashes her car into an icy lake. Her son and another teenage boy plunge into the water with her, but Jules can only manage to save one, the wrong one. Reeling from the death of her son, Jules spirals into a violent, unstable mental state. Ten months after the accident, she's still trying to reckon with the fact that she's rescued Isaac Greer, another woman's child, when Isaac suddenly vanishes. Jules finds herself at the center of a massive police investigation. While she harbors her own dangerous secrets, Jules is adamant that she didn't take Isaac. But then who did? Is Isaac the victim of a dangerous killer who's targeting boys in the Midwest? Or someone else pulling the strings on this deadly game? 
I think this was available as I read now on NetGalley, but I stay away from NetGalley. So I'll be awaiting reviews for this one to see how high on my priority list this one goes. It seems like it's gonna be a short one though at 272 pages. This one is currently on my Kindle thanks to NetGalley. And I do plan to read this one before the end of the year. I also like that it is a short read, but it's also giving that winter thriller vibes. And I can't wait to see how it turns out. All right, if you could recommend only one of her books, which one would you recommend? For me, it would be The Perfect Child. Saving Noah is good too, but I think the content of The Perfect Child is more approachable than Saving Noah is. Same, these two are just top tier for me and some of the most talked about thrillers that I recommend to everyone. They're very different, but still amazing five-star reads for me. I know we mentioned some of the content warnings on some of these books, but please do your own research on these. Um, Lucinda Berry does not shy away from dark themes and topics. Personally, knowing she comes from the background that she does, along with her incredible writing, it makes these stories feel very realistic. So take care of yourself. That concludes the author spotlight of Lucinda Berry, but please head over to Instagram and let me know which ones you've read or which ones you're interested in. Remember each day there will be a new winner during the 12 days of Christmas episodes and giveaways. To enter to win today's giveaway for either a book or a beanie, follow at TalkBookish Podcast on Instagram. Find the day number nine post and leave a thoughtful comment. You'll automatically be entered to win. Patrons who enter have double the chance of winning. We'll be back tomorrow to let you know our thoughts on Daisy Darker by Alice Feeney. Until next time, happy reading.